Hello everyone, this is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to episode 337 of the FCPA Compliance Report. The FCPA Compliance Report is sponsored by Advanced Compliance Solutions, your one-stop shop for all compliance-related services. I'm pleased to announce a new service offering, the Compliance Alliance. In the Compliance Alliance, you and your sales team can learn most current requirements of a best practices compliance program or operationalizing your compliance, you have the opportunity to sponsor my seminal 30 Days to a Better Compliance Program podcast, and then follow-up workshops with your sales team to fine-tune your sales message. Today, I have with me James Gellert. James is the chairman and CEO of Rapid Ratings. Rapid Ratings has a tool which measures the financial health of third parties. And we discuss the use of financial dialogue to determine third-party supplier health and viability, how supply chain resilience and determining the financial health of your suppliers can lead to a more resilient supply chain, why third-party risk management tools need to include financial health, and how all of that ties into the anti-corruption space. It's a fascinating interview about a tool that I think could certainly complement what you're doing as a chief compliance officer or a compliance practitioner utilizing the help of third parties as a tool to determine third-party compliance risk. The episode comes in at around 20 minutes. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the FCPA Compliance Report. Today you are in for a real treat because I have James Geller. James is the president of Rapid Ratings. It is a company that um, has some very interesting tools Really in the financial and financial services space, I came across this company at a recent conference in New York City, and it struck me that the things that he and his company are doing are absolutely critical for the anti-corruption compliance space. So I asked James if he might be able to come on the podcast, tell us about rapid ratings, tell us about what they do, and really how they use a financial dialogue to help determine third-party supplier health and viability. So with that somewhat long-winded introduction, James, uh, welcome and thank you for taking the time to visit with me today. Tom, thank you for asking me to join. I'm looking forward to it. And it didn't sound like a long-winded intro at all. Okay. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what uh, Rapid Ratings is, what you guys do, and right now, who is your target market? So Rapid Ratings is a a quantitatively based system for assisting companies in getting transparency into their third parties. Uh, Our clients range from uh, corporations across 30 some odd different industries to financial services clients in banking, insurance, traditional and alternative asset management. Uh, Our system allows us to rate public and private companies on the same basis through a, an algorithmic process. We get the financial statements from public companies through their filings. We get the financial statements from private companies, either from our clients or on their behalf directly from their third parties in a solicitation process that we've created. And we, our system is, uh, we think, the most sophisticated one out there for being able to provide uh, insight into the long-term and the short-term financial health of companies. And that gets worked into uh, supply chain risk management, third-party risk management, uh, customer evaluations on the credit side and the finance sides of shops, uh, uh, underwriting and insurance, lending and banks, uh, investing for asset management. And really, it's a very, very broadly applicable uh, uh, signal or set of signals and portfolio analytics that we're providing to a really widespread audience. 
James, in the anti-corruption compliance space, uh, when people do due diligence on third parties or perform due diligence on third parties, they're typically looking at ownership structure. Uh, but uh, that is not the focus of uh, rapid ratings. And you use financial dialogue to determine third party supplier health and viability. Could you explain that, uh, the difference in that to us? Sure. So uh, we think the the evaluation of a third party, and I'll just use the term third party to really mean uh, the, the whole plethora of counterparties that an organization may have. Again, could be a could be a customer, could be a supplier, vendor, uh, could be a a part joint venture partner or intercompany affiliate. Could really be anything. But in third parties, risks are not siloed. At the end of the day, things that affect a company in one place may very well affect them later or earlier in another part of the organization. And traditionally, risk management at corporations has been siloed in the way people are looking at those third parties. You may have compliance looking at some aspects, and you've pointed out ownership structure and certainly looking at things like whether a, a company appears or management appears in an OFAC uh, check and gets a flag, whether there's an AML concern and so forth. And some other part of an organization may look at financial risk and another part looks at logistics and delivery, whether delivery is on time for products and, and, and on and on. But more and more, it's becoming evident that these things really are linked, not always, but often. And financial is a common denominator. So a company that is weakening in financial condition is one that is in a position where they may need to cut corners, they may need to take risks, they may not be investing in certain areas where best practices would suggest they invest. And if one is not looking at that, one is going to miss leading indicators of risks that are going to pop up elsewhere in an organization. I'll give you one example. Cybersecurity is uh, obviously a hot topic for everybody. A company that at the, at the beginning of a, a working relationship say, the onboarding or the due diligence procurement event, one may do a series of checks from a compliance and uh, info security perspective. And that company looks fine. It gets greenlit and it comes on board as a supplier. Over time, if that company is weakening in its financial condition, the chances are likely that they are going to begin underinvesting in maintaining the quality of their cybersecurity program. In a case like that, over time, a, company, a partner of that, uh, of that firm is taking increased risks for a cybersecurity breach because that company is weakening, but because they're not monitoring the financial condition of it on an ongoing basis, they've missed a leading indicator of that cybersecurity problem. And when that problem actually hits, it's too late. It's affecting revenue. It's affecting reputation. It's affecting all sorts of things. So we believe that the connective uh, tissue across these risk areas is critically important. And we're seeing that play out in areas like for the banks, third-party risk management that is now mandated by the OCC, the Fed, and others is, uh, is now uh, forcing different parts of organizations to come together in the banks to uh, assess risk on a more comprehensive basis and to be able to report and act on it for regulatory purposes. So I think it's a very interesting and dynamic topic happening right now across uh, both financial institutions and corporates. 
James, the goal of a best practices compliance program is to prevent, detect, and then remediate if something comes up. And typically, uh, uh, when people look at third parties, they're trying to detect something that may be wrong. But it really strikes me that the rapid ratings tool moves the process more to the prevent and so that if uh, information or any indicia pops up uh, that you can move to remediate or, excuse me, uh, prescribe a solution uh, before it even gets to either a uh, uh, violation, uh, reputational risk, or an illegal act. And that's really the goal of, of almost any type of monitoring system. So it really sounds like that uh, with sophistication and the holistic approach that you're taking, you can really help a compliance officer uh, see trending that would lead one to believe uh, that uh, a risk could be popping up. Would that be a fair assessment of what you guys bring to the table? Yeah, Tom, I think it's really well said. And you know, we take we take the view that now with the uh, with the advancement in uh, technology, a company like ours can put the time and money into a system like ours where we have now evaluated close to 12 million company years worth of financial data, and that informs the financial health rating and the core health scores that we are producing for, for on every company we rate, public or private. But historically, uh, risk management as, as, in, as an industry, if you want to call it that, or as a discipline, regardless of which part of uh, risk management one is doing, has focused more on protecting downside risk and detecting downside risk than it has in being able to understand where a company or a partner exists on a spectrum of risks that can be from poor to really good. And that means a user of our data is in a position to be able to do more than just protect from a company's failing for one reason or another, but be able to align with the strongest partners. And that creates resiliency in a third-party ecosystem, which is much, much greater, I mean, leaps and bounds forward from where 10, 20 years ago uh, a risk management program would be able to uh, to go using a service like this. And uh, And I think it's exciting for us because a lot of our clients are very much using us for trying to create the most resilient, powerful, able-to-grow third-party ecosystems as opposed to just having one where they feel like they've eliminated some of the companies that might be weak going forward. You know, my heart just took a flutter there because I heard something very different. What I heard was return on investment from your risk management program. And if, uh, if, if really that uh, obviously is, is something that uh, compliance officers, risk management officers, uh, senior executives and board members have struggled with for some time. But uh, I really appreciate the thought that uh, we c- when you take these tools, it's, it's managing a business process and you're giving uh, the owner of that business process more tools to manage that process and doing so more efficiently. I see compliance as helping companies do business more efficiently. And it seems like that's just what you described in the third party ecosystem. Yeah, I think it's, that's absolutely nailed it. And, uh, and, and uh, I'm very excited. I didn't know I would get a heart flutter this morning. So uh, thank you for that. <laughs> Um, I think I think as as we as we're entrepreneurs, we are technologists, we are uh, risk managers, and finance people all come together to be able to provide a 
product and service that helps companies get transparency into their counterparties so they can do more business in uh, effective, efficient, and protected ways. And so you've just described it extremely well because what we're trying to do for our clients is give a, uh, a true enterprise value. And to me, enterprise value comes uh, cuts horizontally across a company, across all different areas of the cash turn, from understanding customers all the way to managing where money is being spent, with whom, on what. But also being able to create value at the operational level of a company to make people's business processes day-to-day more efficient, but also all the way up into the C-suite and the board, so the fiduciary level of the company is able to uh, to take comfort that there are processes in place to manage risk, and that 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 risk management process is uh, money well spent and is giving the shareholders a greater protection and the potential to grow, which goes directly to shareholder values. So we're completely aligned uh, with everything you've just said, and it's exciting to uh, to be able to talk about that. Uh, let me uh, change the focus just a little bit, because uh, when we were in our green room preparing for this, you shared some observations about the conference we both attended, uh, which was really focused on uh, anti-corruption compliance and third-party risk. And I was wondering what uh, your general observation was in attending sort of a conference for my people, as once again, opposed to uh, the folks that you typically are dealing with. Well, so for starters, the title of the conference was third-party risk. And the, the third-party risk conferences that, uh, that I'm seeing and that we're attending and, and providing thought leadership to have, over the last few years, been very focused on the banking regulations that have required uh, OCC, Fed, FDIC, CFPB, and so forth, the, the entities that are monitored by those regulators have required them to implement third-party risk programs that then are part of their regulatory compliance. And it's been really interesting to see the evolution just over the last 18 to 24 months in that space, where it was uh, two years ago and, uh, and 18 months ago, those conferences were attended by people from procurement and some from risk, but it was very procurement-driven uh, area. And now the ones that we're seeing have procurement, have risk, have finance, have uh, IT or info security, and are starting to get folks from compliance. Compliance, I believe, has been involved in the cross-functional organizational efforts at, uh, at banks in particular to comply with these regulations, but I don't think they've had as much seat at the table, and I don't think they've had as much uh, as much knowledge sharing of of the requirements, but to see a compliance driven conference titled third party risk and beginning to really touch on these cross fertilized risk areas was was very interesting to me and it marked a change in the landscape as i 've seen it because I think compliance is going to have a bigger and bigger role in third-party risk management as those other areas in the organizations are thinking about it and defining it. And in many ways, what historically has been in the know your customer checklist 
those are all risk control areas that the rest of the organization now needs to be appreciating more than they ever have before. And the organizations have to share data, communicate better, and be able to push that information in a systematic way up to regulators that they in ways that they didn't before. So I think it's it really marked an interesting change and a bit of an eye opener for me in just how much uh, compliance is now becoming more integrated into that entire effort. Uh, the other thing uh, you talked about was the the concept of criticality and how uh, uh, typically uh, in a um, less robust or perhaps less mature is the better word, risk management program, you would try to identify only the highest risks and then put risk management around those highest risks. But that leaves a large number of other third parties who might uh, have some risk or a lesser amount of risk uh, unmanaged. And uh, so I was wondering if you might be able to uh, explain a little bit about criticality and where you see that going. Sure. So, uh, I think there, there are two two pockets to that. One is is as you've just said, historically, I think people have managed risks by looking at um, where the biggest exposures lie, and criticality can be defined by different people in different organizations in different ways. It can be defined as spend, which it usually is. It can be defined as the third parties that will have the most impact uh, on revenue should there be a failure. Can be described. It can be uh, categorized as those that are touching private, uh, you know, PII, private information, or that have some type of a of a technological uh, interaction handshake with an organization, and therefore have uh, the ability to affect you more uh, more directly from a cybersecurity perspective. So there are lots of different ways of describing it, and I think historically there's been more focus on let's just figure out the ones where we've got the biggest risk and just look at those. So that's pocket one. Pocket two is that the the OCC and Fed uh, guidance on uh, third-party risk is really focusing the attention on critical names. It's not trying to prescribe how to define it, but it's letting the banks define uh, what critical is. And in there, there's a tendency to try to reduce the number of critical names that one has to focus on because then there's less regulatory reporting required. So there's a, just a natural reductionist tendency there. In both cases, they are, they are missing the fact that there are many, many, many other companies that are third parties to your compliance audience and that they need to be monitoring in some fashion or another. And I think I think the compliance professionals that I've uh, that I've interacted with in the past for their own work uh, historically have taken a much broader view and not just gone to the uh, to the reduced number of the most critical, but the other areas like procurement and supplier risk management tend to do that. So as the two areas begin to work more closely together in vendor, supplier, and other third-party risk management. I think there's going to be a role for compliance to be able to help shape the uh, the scope for the other areas of organizations to understand that they need to be looking at not just the critical, but those in the next rung out and the next rung out and the next rung out, because all of those names really do have some impact. And it was interesting, the, uh, the OCC put out some clarifying uh, uh, FAQ last week 
And when you read through it in its entirety, it makes it clear that financial analysis is required to provide ongoing monitoring of third parties and that ongoing monitoring needs to be done for every third party, not just for the critical ones. So the grand sum of that is that for any financial institution, they need to be providing a financial analysis on every single third party that they touch. And that can run into the tens of thousands. So they have to be able to use some type of scalable, quantifiable, automated, repeatable process. And that's where we're providing the financial health rating system uh, into to be able to give people scale and depth in, uh, in their analysis. So that's certainly an issue that um, many uh, compliance practitioners in the anti-corruption compliance space are struggling with. But once again, as compliance programs mature, I think that they're going to take this much more holistic approach. James, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time, but I was wondering if uh, anyone wanted to uh, contact you or any uh, any folks at uh, Rapid Ratings, uh, how would they do so? And of course, uh, what's your website? So the website is www.rapidratings.com, and we have uh, lots of ways right there on the site to uh, request demos, request sample reports, and to contact us. So that's the uh, that's the quickest and most efficient way to reach us. And we'd be very happy to uh, speak with anyone or show them what the uh, show them individual reports that give them some flavor on exactly how we help people interact and have dialogues with third parties around their financial health. And I would also add, I've checked out the site, and they have some uh, really fabulous resources that are available for download that uh, in the third-party areas that uh, compliance officers who are looking at different ways of considering risk might want to take a look at. So I've been visiting today with James Geller, the president of Rapid Ratings, and it's been a fascinating discussion about different ways to look at third-party risk and, frankly, uh, a much more holistic way, which allows you to uh, create greater business efficiencies. So, James, thank you, and I look forward to continuing the conversation. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the FCPA Compliance Report. I would urge you to check out the website, rapidratings.com. Financial health and viability, I think it's going to be the next step that chief compliance officers need to take in addition to understanding ownership and beneficial ownership of their third parties. If you have listened to this podcast on iTunes, please rate our podcast as it would help in our rankings and help get the word out about the oldest and best, in my opinion, podcast around FCPA compliance. Also, if you have any questions, you can contact me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for listening to this episode, and I hope you will join me again for another episode of the FCPA Compliance Report. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.